Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Deep Dive. Uh, I'm your host, Lachlan Kirkwood, and of course, I am accompanied by my other host, Luke Chapman. How are you doing this week, Luke? I'm doing really well. Had a nice long weekend, actually, so I'm back and refreshed and ready to cover the news from the last couple of weeks. How's your week been? I was going to say plenty of time to read articles, I imagine. Um, No, I was mostly road tripping and riding my bike, so... Uh, not over the weekend, but I have been reading over the last couple of weeks. So there's a few um, a few items that stand out in mostly the SEO world is where I've been looking. What about in the social landscape? Did you want to kick us off with news from your side of things? Sure thing. Uh, before I jump in though, as always, I just want to say that if you enjoy the content, um, feel free to give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It would mean the world to us and make a difference to the show. Um, And the three news topics I want to cover this week are around Snapchat 3D content, uh, Facebook's new ad formats that are finally being released, and also a new content format from Reddit. So, yeah, if you're interested in any of those topics, I'll dive into those. So, as I mentioned, the first one is from Snapchat, um, who I don't know if you might remember, Luke. um, I recently mentioned in a couple episodes ago that they released their new V3 of the Snapchat Spectacles, which uh, allowed yes. users to record I remember content in 3D. Of that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> How could we ever forget the digital dad despises anything that stories, stickers, or notifications trays? Um, but so Snapchat is releasing a new form of uh, content, which uh, tied in quite well with the new iPhone 11 release, which um, had some additional. Um, layers of depth um, in the new cameras that it had front and back. Um, So this is actually the first time that I guess you could say Snap has copied Facebook. So Facebook also recently released uh, 3D photos that you could upload to the platform. Um, And what Snap is now allowing users to do is create 3D um, photos themselves. Um, So these can be selfies and um, it'll include a layer of depth around your real world environment um, and your face so you can turn your device and it will um, create like a 3D effect where it'll move um, and you can also almost create like a diorama effect where you um, there's a library of 3D filters and lenses that you can use um, so it'll position you uh, in front or behind of that um, immersive content So it's really just a new exciting form of content that Snap's creating. Uh, What does this mean for digital marketers or brands? Um, If you're a brand that uses Snapchat as an organic channel, um, I think this would be a really exciting way to leverage um, a new form of content just to drive a bit more engagement. Um, And as I always like to say, it's really important to jump on these new features while they are new so users can just see that you're a bit of an innovative brand and really enjoy the content that you are publishing there. And following on from that, um, nothing entirely new, but uh, finally launching into production, Facebook uh, confirmed that they're uh, releasing three new ad formats officially to the general public. So these are the uh, AR ads, which was previously in closed beta. Well, it has been now for over whew, over a year and a bit. Uh, I've been wanting to get my hands on that for a long time and I haven't been able to. Um, so that's in open beta now, and that is, uh, you can create those AR experiences in Facebook's uh, Spark AR Studio, so it's just where you can create lenses for the platform, which I have used that, and it's actually really intuitive to use and really simple to use as well. 
Following on from that, uh, Facebook's game ads are now in general availability, and that's to all brands, not just verified gaming brands. So super excited. I know some local brands here in Brisbane were experimenting with um, creating some gamified ad experiences, which uh, weren't encouraging game downloads, but were also um, just encouraging like a great um, engaging piece of content to engage with like a particular product that they might have. Um, and the last one, which I'm really excited about, because I have also touched base on this in the past, is the introduction of poll ads to Facebook. Again, we took a deep dive into this, um, oh, I didn't even know how far ago, maybe 10 episodes ago, where um, digital marketers and brands could create polls on Instagram stories. Um, so Facebook introduced that you can now create poll ads on general Facebook ads in the newsfeed and in Facebook stories. Um, and the reason that this one particularly excites me is just at the time, I didn't know how this logistically worked. Um, so if you're creating a Facebook ad, you should soon have the option just to select a placement um, on the ad level. Um, tick a box that just says you want to create a poll. You can add in two different options and you can also customize the dimensions of that uh, poll sticker on the ad itself. So that is now in general availability and that'll be rolling out to brands soon. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about was actually some sort of Reddit. And the reason I'm particularly interested with this is um, just mentioning to Luke before we started recording this, uh, over the past week I've been using Reddit pretty religiously to um, promote organically some content for my click-through platform. Um, and to be honest, it's actually been pretty effective. Um, there's some really engaged communities on there of digital marketers internationally um, that I'm really enjoying the content they're sharing. Um, and the discussions that they have uh, happen quite actively and quickly. Um, now, what Reddit is introducing is almost like a live post um, feature for um, when a user creates a, creates a post in a subreddit. Um, so what this would look like is very similar to um, YouTube live video comments. So instead of... Um, being able to comment on a YouTube video, uh, it has like a chat thread on it that happens or updates in real time. So when a user creates a post in a subreddit, they can create the post as usual, but they can also enable a live chat option. Um, and then they also have the option to pin this post to the top of that subreddit. And what this will do is it will create a live chat experience where the UI will look much the same from what I've seen in some screenshots to uh, YouTube live um, chat threads. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't support voting or nested comments yet, um, but the conversations will be happening in real time. And again, just what does this mean for digital marketers or brands? As I mentioned, look, I've been using Reddit. I've been experimenting with it just over the past week. Um, I've dabbled into it in the past as just a user, but I've actually just been experimenting with how to use it as a tool to drive traffic. Um, and I've found it quite good so far. Um, so if you are a brand or even if you're a digital marketer looking to grow your own personal brand um, through the Reddit community, this could be a good option to do that and create some real life um, or real time discussions with users so they can be quite active. Um, but yeah, that's all that's on my plate this week, Luke. Was there anything in particular you wanted to cover in the SEO SEM world? Yeah, I've got a few items this week. Um, Sounds like uh, some of those updates sound pretty cool, actually. I've, I've noticed on Twitter 
that people have been embedding polls in their sponsored tweets and it's been driving a lot of engagement um, that I've seen there. So it'd be interesting to see poll ads coming across into Facebook. Um, and the Reddit stuff sounds interesting too. I actually used Reddit ads about two years ago. Uh, I used it a few times and the ad platform was a bit average. Um, so be keen actually to, to jump on there and have a look and see what Reddit ads platform is like these days. But it was certainly, I think, an underutilized method of uh, advertising a couple of years ago. And even now, I think it's not really used that much. And if you've got the kind of audience that would be likely to be found on various subreddits, then it's potentially something that you should look at. Maybe we can cover that in a, a PPC deep dive one day in the future. Can I quickly ask how you found it performed? It performed really well. So just as a, a bit of background on it, so Reddit has all kinds of topics on there, but in general, if you looked at the whole user base of Reddit, it, it probably skews a bit more male and a little bit nerdy, if that makes sense, um, you know, kind of <laughs> technically driven people. So, and, and I had a product at the time, which was a course on robotics that we were promoting. And so I found a few subreddits, which are like the communities on Reddit, around things like robotics, engineering, science, technology, that kind of stuff, and targeted those particular subreddits with the ads. And yeah, it performed really well. I guess um, the main thing was that it was really quite cheap to advertise on there compared to Google ads and Facebook ads. Um, so the targeting was not quite as, as nuanced as you can do on some of the other platforms. But yeah, for the price, like it was amazing. We, we had a much better, um, you know, cost per conversion driving traffic from Reddit. Um, but that was, you know, that wouldn't work for every topic um, or for every business necessarily. So I think you've got to pick and choose your, your target audience there. Um, it's not going to line up for everybody, but if it does, it's certainly worth a look. The only other thing with Reddit ads that I remember is they do have quite a limited inventory of ads available. So if you're trying to target, you know, just a couple of subreddits, they may already have sold out of all of the ad inventory available for those ones. So you may need to broaden your, your targeting a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's not like you can just throw all your money in Reddit and it'll be amazing, but certainly as as a piece of the puzzle when it comes to, to display advertising and PPC, then it's worth a look for sure. Anyways, back to the news. What did you have for us this week? Yeah, so in the world of SEO and, and Google, there's been a few updates this week. I'll talk about the biggest one first or the one that's, I guess, created the most controversy within the industry. So, Lachlan, have you heard of what's called nofollow links before? I have, yes. So nofollow, basically Google has said in the past that if you, um, you know, in terms of SEO, basically all links should be earned. So someone, if, if one website is linking to another website, it should be natural and they should be linking because it's relevant and because it's, um, you know, linking to a quality resource or an authority on that particular topic or whatever it is um, should be quite natural. If it's the case where you are paying for links, so maybe you're sponsoring something on a site in order to get a link back to your website for SEO purposes, that is a bit of a no-no. So Google in the past has said that you should add um, a rel equals nofollow onto that link, which basically just means 
there's a tag on that link that when Google sees it when they're crawling the website, they see, okay, it says no follow, so we're not going to follow that link and we're not going to count it. Um, I guess, you know, we're not going to count that link juice flowing from one site to the next in that particular instance because it says no follow, so we're just not going to follow that link and count anything past this point. So the big change that they've announced now, and they've they've talked about no follow for so long, is now they're saying, well, actually, we want you to give us more information. So they've announced two new link attributes. So no follow will still exist, and you don't really have to make any changes to it if it's already on your site. But the two new types are rel equals sponsored. So that's for links that are created as you know, a sponsored link or advertising or something like that. And the other one is rel equals UGC. So that's for user-generated content. So for example, something that was hit by spammers for many years is links in comments on blog posts or forums or that kind of thing. So anywhere where a user can just comment or submit their own content that has a link in it, you should be marking that as rel equals UGC. So these are being treated as hints to Google to factor that into their algorithm in terms of rankings and things like that. So rather than just not following the link at all and getting no data out of it, they now want you to specify whether it's a sponsored or paid link or whether that's user-generated content. So yeah, as I said, you don't need to change anything if you've already got no follow links, but from now on, uh, they would like you to be using either sponsored or UGC in the appropriate places. As to what the benefit is for the site owner for doing that, well, I'm not entirely sure. It seems like it's a bit of a, hey, Google's saying, oh, we really appreciate you doing this, but it doesn't seem like there's any penalty for not doing it um, and there's no real benefit to doing it. So I guess time will tell as to how many people actually start doing that. Um, I guess plugins for popular you know, WordPress and, and other popular content management systems We'll probably include that in, in future updates. So you'll probably see it rolling out um, across the web to some degree. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many people are doing that and what effect it actually has on um, you know Google's index and how much it actually improves it and cuts down on spam and those kind of things. So yeah, it's causing a bit of uh, controversy in the industry at the moment. Definitely one to look at and if you have the time, then you should be marking it as sponsored or user-generated content. Also, in terms of Google cutting down on spam, they're making some changes to rich results in terms of reviews, which is a type of rich results. So if you've ever done a search and noticed in the search engine results page that some of the the results in that page might have um, stars next to them and a rating, so it might be, you know, it might show four stars and a rating of 4.1 from however many reviews. So that's the reviews rich result that shows up in search engine results page. So all that is is basically you're putting some schema.org markup on your page and that's being indexed by Google and, and other search engines and they're choosing whether they bring that into the search results or not. But of course, people have abused it and so businesses have been marking their own business as having you know five-star review from thousands of people uh, when it's just not the case. And there hasn't really been any checks to see if that's genuine or if that's just you putting it on your own site. 
they're cutting back on which types of schema uh, are actually allowed to show up in the reviews rich results now. So if you have a look at schema.org, there's all kinds of different schema types. So for example, there's one for book, there's one for courses, there's one for products. Um, so those kind of things, uh, recipes, software, apps, those things will all allow you to still have the schema markup on your page to show how many um, stars it has and what the rating is and how many people have reviewed it. So now if you're using the local business or the organization schema types, Google will no longer allow what they're calling self-serving reviews. So that's when you're putting a review of your business on your own business website, um, even if that's embedded with a third-party widget. But yeah, they're just saying, you know, if it's a review of your entire business on your homepage, and they're just not going to look at it anymore because everyone was giving themselves five stars. So it kind of was pointless, really. Um, people spammed it and you know what happens when they do. Um, so it doesn't really affect the knowledge panel on the right-hand side and um, your Google My Business listing. It's purely just the organic results in the search engine results page. Um, so have a look at the link in our show notes and you'll see which schema types they are allowing you to have the reviews markup for. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're using it for, um, for your own business, either the local business or the organization type of schema or any of the subtypes, then probably need to remove that. They're not going to penalize you at this point, but it's also not going to do anything for you anymore. So you should probably get rid of it in case they do change their mind and start using that as a um, bit of a signal of some dodgy things going on. So I would suggest to remove that from now. And the last piece of news that I had is something we've actually talked about before. I can't remember. It's probably just like your other news, uh, Lachlan, it's probably about 10 episodes ago. But YouTube and, and Google uh, was testing putting timestamps for videos in the search results where it would actually allow you to skip to a particular point in a YouTube video that uh, answered whatever your search query was. So if you've got a video about, um, you know, how to install the engine in your car, that could be quite a long video with all these different steps in the process. And your particular thing that you're looking for might be, you know, how to prepare engine mounts for reinstalling your engine. And that might be, you know, 20 minutes into the video. But if timestamps were included in the description of that video on YouTube, they were testing out this feature where it would actually pop up and you could click on, it'd have a little preview of the video at that point and a description of what it was talking about. And you click that and it actually takes you to that point in time in the video rather than having to watch the whole thing and try and skip through and find where the answer was. Obviously, it's a lot harder than trying to find the same thing in a text website where you can just you know hit control F to find and, and search for whatever you're looking for or just skim through it visually. But um, I guess they've been happy with their testing because they're officially rolling that out now. So how you can take advantage of that is really simple. All you need to do in your YouTube video descriptions is you put in some timestamps. So for example, 03 colon 15 would be three minutes 15 and then a description of what happens at that point in time. So we'll link to some examples uh, in the show notes and apparently they are going to allow you to do it somehow with non-YouTube videos as well. 
So I'll, I haven't seen the instructions on how to do that yet, but certainly for YouTube videos anyway, it's very straightforward. You don't need to do anything special. It's really just putting some text in the description of your video. So that seems like a, uh, a potential win there for businesses. Yeah, should be able to answer people's queries with video. If you're not producing video content yet, then that's probably something you should look at because videos are showing up more and more in the search results page um, and they tend to show right at the top. So uh, it's a good way to, to take up a bit more real estate in the search results page. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my news on the SEO front this week. Other than that, um, I didn't mention, but I did have a really great interview with Dave Hyman this week about conversion rate optimization. So that will actually be coming out as our deep dive podcast next week. We talk all things conversion rate optimization, right from what it is to what you should be looking for on your website and how to improve it, how to test it, um, what sort of things make the biggest difference and all of that. Lachlan, you've had a a sneak peek at the unedited uh, recording. What was your first impression? You you won't want to miss it, is all I'll say. No, it's very very practical, lots of really useful, um, actionable advice. So it was really good. I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to everyone taking a listen to it. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that one next week on conversion rate optimization. And yeah, Dave gives some great insights and some real-world case studies and, and facts and figures that will make it uh, quite relatable for, for different people in different industries, I think. So that should be a good one. Nice. Well, that's uh, everything from this episode. In the meantime, if uh, anyone wanted to find you across the internet, where can we search there, Luke? Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Digital Peddler or on my website at lukejetman.com.au. And you, Lachlan? Um, as always, again, I am at Lachlan Kirkwood on Twitter and just lachlankirkwood.com if you want to read anything on my personal blog. Um, until next week, um, I just want to finish again by saying that if you enjoyed this content at all, um, we'd appreciate if you could share it and also leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice.